0: Well, let me offer my welcome to you uh, in person and online as well as we continue this Mulligan sermon series. In the early 1960s, a songwriter named Hal Davis penned some lyrics. He got his friend Burt Bacharach to put a tune to it. They offered the song to uh, Dionne Warwick, uh, but she turned it down. She thought the song sounded too preachy. So they offered it to a Kentucky farm girl named Jackie DeShannon, and she sang it. And uh, later, Dionne Warwick changed her mind, and she recorded that preachy song. And still later, the song's been recorded by artists like Luther Vandross and uh, Rick Astley of Rick Roll fame, and Smokey Robinson, and even the cast of the TV show Glee. Want another song? What the world needs now is love sweet love it's the only thing that there's just too little love that simple song does preach doesn't it Dion Warwick was right but it preaches in the best way even those who don't yet know our savior Jesus know that the world is in dire need of love the world suffers from a love deficit the apostle Paul knew it uh, and in fact, this is one of the greatest gifts that, uh, that, that Paul knew the church had to offer the world, and that's, that's the gift of love. As Paul says in Romans 5, the Holy Spirit pours the love of Christ into our hearts. But guess what? Unfortunately, even churches can experience a love deficit. You can sit on the same pew for years and years and years and yet feel unknown and, and feel unloved. And if insiders feel that way, what about our diverse and disconnected neighbors outside the church? And so last week, we, we started this series called Mulligan. Uh, this series focused on a do-over. And I confess to you that uh, about a year into the pandemic, I discovered this little prayer in First Thessalonians chapter 3. And soon after I read it, I, I, I thought, this prayer articulates what I wish I would have emphasized more before the pandemic started. Three verses, three priorities uh, that I wish I'd spent a lot more time on personally uh, and as a pastor, Uh, but you know, One of my leadership maxims, I didn't invent it, but I I use it all the time, is if the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, uh, the next best time is today. And so uh, that's the purpose of a mulligan, right? It's the purpose of a do-over. And so here we go. Last week, uh, we talked about the need to be people of fervent prayer. Uh, We talked about how the the evil one puts uh, all kinds of stumbling blocks in our path. And so we pray for God and his team of divine bulldozers to clear the way, uh, to to clear out the obstacles so that we might uh, find his will for our lives. And uh, today, uh, we're going to focus on a a second necessity in this challenging um, environment that we live in. And as I've already mentioned, that is love. It's, It's the middle verse in Paul's three-verse prayer. And we're asking you to to consider, at the very least, kind of meditating on it and even memorizing it. Uh, And so grateful for this little sketch note. Uh, Sometimes when we have images, it helps us to remember things. And so we want to read, uh, once again, the whole prayer, 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 to 13. Listen especially for that middle verse, verse 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. God bless the reading of his word. So... Why a do-over on love? Didn't we talk about love before the pandemic? Well, of course we did. Of course we did. But I think there are a couple of, of, uh, if not new realities, I think there are a couple of enhanced realities that we face in our world. Uh, and, And in a way, it's underscored what I feel is a lack of preparedness when it comes to our calling to love. A couple things that I just don't think I was prepared for before the pandemic started. First of all, I don't think I was prepared for how polarized our nation has continued to become over the last couple of years. And so much of that uh, social fracturing, if you will, uh, emerged with our responses to to the pandemic. And you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that people in general, and I think sometimes Christians in particular, have leaned more into being right or correct than we've leaned into being loving. You know, the Apostle Paul says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And I think between the two, sometimes we've leaned more into our knowledge. And then when you add social media to the mix, uh, our online discourse is now filled with so much yelling at one another rather than talking and listening to one another. Now, I want to be clear, as Christians, we put a lot of stock uh, in staking our lives on the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says the truth will set you free. The truth is very important. But in my opinion, so many Christians even have abandoned the primary truths of our faith, truths about love, to fight secondary battles. And I just wasn't prepared for how absent love would be from our interaction with one another and our interaction with our neighbors. The second thing I wasn't prepared for, and that is how lonely and how isolated our world has become. Of course, we know statistically the impact of of the pandemic on the the mental health of our nation is startling. I want to just just quote one statistic a friend shared with me uh, this week. Did you know that from February 2019 to February 2021, Emergency room visits for adolescent girls increased 51 percent. 51 percent. Emergency room visits for sus- uh, suspected suicide attempts. Now, here's why I want to speak a, a specific word to those of you who are joining us online. Not not all of you, but uh, but certainly many of you have seriously compromised health situations and, and it's just rendered it too risky for you to come and, and join with us each week. And I just wanna to say to you, I, I can't imagine how lonely and isolating that is. I, I can't imagine how much you miss the handshakes and the hugs out in the lobby. I, I, I can't imagine how much you miss being shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters in Christ and singing about the love of Jesus. And I know now more than ever, you know, we have an obligation to you to, to show our love to you in unusual ways. You know, if you gave me a, a mulligan, if you gave me a do-over, I think I'd focus a lot more on what is job one for the church. And job one for the church is love. I, this is not just my interpretation, friends, right? I mean, uh, the, the, the most important verse in the Bible, John 3.16, for God so what? Loved the world, right? Jesus was often asked, what's the, of all the commandments, what's the most important one? He said, I'll give you two. They're two sides of the same coin. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That is job one. And so that's why I'm very keenly interested in this prayer in verse 12 specifically. And I want to ask, what, is, what does Paul tell us about love in this verse? I mean, none of us are strangers to the topic of love, right? We, we, probably most of us grew up learning how to say I love you to people closest to us, uh, perhaps many of our favorite songs or love songs. But, 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 but I'm talking about real love, not necessarily polite love or, or sentimental love or, or courteous love, but I'm talking about real love. It's, it's one thing to, to talk about love, it's quite another thing to, to practice it with our words And And that's why I find verse 12 so powerful. It's why I'm asking us to meditate and reflect and marinate and memorize this this prayer. And there are a couple big ideas from verse 12 uh, that I just pray will sink deep into us, especially as we live with this verse this week. And the first big idea is this, and that is Jesus is the manufacturer of real love. Jesus is the embodiment of love. Jesus is the manufacturer of love. Jesus is the supplier of love. And that is so evident in this prayer. It's so evident in the New Testament. It's so evident in this prayer. In fact, let's just put verse 12 on the screen. And let's just look at the uh, the, the, the first four words, right? May the Lord make. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow. The Lord... Creates love. The Lord invented love. Not only that, the Lord can take our little love and purify it and, and animate it and breathe life into it and, and multiply it. You know, it's almost like when it comes to love, we're like that little boy with the little lunch that he brought to Jesus, right? That's what I don't got much. It's just a couple sardines, a couple dinner rolls. And Jesus says, let, let, let me show you what I can do with that. Get it to, give it to me. Let me love through you. Jesus takes it in his hands and he blesses it and he breaks it and he, he, th- he thanks God for it and he distributes it and it just keeps feeding and feeding and feeding. Jesus is the multiplier of love. And I think this is really important news. I think it's important news for the world. I think it's important news for, for church people like, like me. You know, sometimes growing up in church, I felt like we church people specialize more in being nice than in being loving. Now, nice has its advantages. Don't get me wrong. In fact, if you're trying to figure out after church in the lobby, should I be nice to Larry or mean to Larry? Please, go with nice, okay? Uh, You know, nice, uh, nice is important. Nice greets people. Nice holds the door for people. Nice shares a smile with people. But in my experience growing up, your mileage may vary, but in my experience growing up, sometimes nice was like this exceptionally thin coat of margarine on the top of dry and crusty bread. Nice was insubstantial. Let me ask you, have you ever had the experience of somebody who said something nice to your face and then you found out they said something mean behind your back? Anybody ever had that experience before? Did it make you feel all warm inside when that happened? Did it make you trust the niceties they shared the next time you saw them? Probably not. But Jesus believes that love is infinitely more valuable than nice. Jesus' disciples will tell you there were times when it it felt like Jesus wasn't being all that nice. Uh, but, But it was because he was being loving. He was loving them with the truth. He was loving them in a profound way. Love is not temporary niceness. Love is this long and stubborn commitment to the good of someone else. Jesus is the manufacturer of this kind of love because that's his very identity. You know, I was thinking about this, the longest mission trip I think I've ever taken uh, was just shy of a couple weeks. And man, was I proud of myself uh, afterwards. Was I proud of my sacrifice, right? Jesus went on a 33 year mission trip to planet Earth. His whole life in ministry was characterized by love. It was that kind of love that led him to do shocking things like embrace lepers, to to, to call those whom society hated to to follow him. That kind of love led him to teach and preach and heal and shield and, and protect human beings like you and me. Let's make no mistake, it was that love that punctured his head with a crown of thorns. It was that love that drove spikes through his hands and his feet, a, a spear through his side. And guess what, friends? that love has not stopped. That love for you and me keeps going. That love holds our world together. Our supply of love, I think this is so important the, the, the source of love is Jesus. And in in the Gospels, Jesus repeatedly called his followers to come to that source of love and to share that that love with others. In fact, on the night before Jesus died, the most loving act imaginable, he said this to his disciples, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now imagine that Jesus were giving us a pop quiz and we had never seen this verse before. And uh, so it's kind of a, a fill in the blank By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if, right? If what? If you spend all your free time at church. Larry must be a disciple because I just see his car there all the time at church. He's got to be a disciple. By this, all people will know you're my disciple if you have churchy bumper stickers on your car, right? Friends, that's more about your car being saved than you being saved, isn't it? or if you only listen to Christian music, or if you only watch Christian movies, you know, by this, all people will know you're my disciples, if, what? If you love one another. This is the love that Jesus supplies, and this is the love that Jesus pours through us. I think that's very important. Jesus is the manufacturer of love. There's a second thing about this love that I think is so crucial as well, and that is that growth is the outcome of real love. This love that Jesus pours into us is designed to grow. Um, you know, in, in Paul's ideal for the Christian life, it's not enough for you and me to have a, a modicum of love. You know, for somebody to say, hey, can I borrow some love from you? I say, well, you know, maybe a third, nah, maybe how about a fourth cup? Uh, I'm really low on love. I, uh, maybe I can share just a fourth cup of love with you, but that is it. No, the expectation is that love is on the increase. So so let's put verse 12 back up on the screen. May the Lord make your love, get this, increase and overflow. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow. I love that. The expectation for us as Christians is that as we sink more deeply into grace, as we sink more deeply into the life and ministry and teaching and kingdom of Jesus, the expectation is that as we daily ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of love, is that our love will increase and overflow. Our love will grow. And I think this is really important. Paul talks about two dimensions. Two dimensions. First of all, there's this depth of love the depth of love in other words we'll experience a deeper affection and commitment and motivation to serve that's that's behind those words increase and overflow I mean what an amazing prayer I mean what if this were our only uh, new year's resolution this depth of love wouldn't that be something What if our only New Year's resolution was that on December 31st, 2022, there would be significantly more love in our hearts than there is on January 9th, 2022? What an amazing prayer. I think this is important because sometimes it just feels like the reservoir of love has gotten really low. Sometimes it feels like there's a drought of love. Sometimes it feels like you can walk to the end of the pier and then kind of climb down the ladder. And when you put your foot down on the bottom, it's not water, right? It's, it's mud. It's, it's dirt. It's dry. Sometimes we, we feel a limit of how much we're willing to, to serve or forgive or be vulnerable or run a risk or put ourselves out there because we might be taken advantage of. And we feel like we kind of have to hold on to the little bit of love that we have. We have to protect it. I can remember when um, one of my sons was in preschool, uh, the teachers would just give us rave reports about his behavior when we would come pick him up. And then some days, like as soon as he got home, he would just be in the timeout chair, you know, the rest of the day. And it was like, well, this is so, cognitive dissonance, right? I mean, the, the preschool teacher says, you know, doing so great, and he gets home and not so great. And uh, my wife had an interesting phrase for it. She says, she would say, I think he used up all his good at school. Right? Used up all his good, didn't have any left when he came home. Sometimes the same thing happens to you and me. The reservoir of love is low. And get this, friends, we feel like we need to ration it out. We don't have enough for school and home. We don't have enough love for church and work. We don't have enough love for coworkers and family. Something's got to give. We've got to ration it. There's not a whole lot there. The reservoir of love is low. But What if the Holy Spirit says to us, there's more where that came from? What if our Lord Jesus, through his grace and power, could cause your love to increase and overflow? almost like an oil gusher, right? Just, just pouring up out of your heart. Wouldn't that be amazing? Just an increasing depth of the reservoir of love that you and I are called upon to share? That's what Paul prays for the church in Thessalonica, an increasing depth of love, but he also prays for an increasing breadth of love. I think this is so important, not just depth, also breadth. I think it's so important. I wanna put verse 12 up on the screen a third time if you're counting. If you only have one verse, you gotta get all the mileage you can out of it. And so, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other, and for everyone else and impulses, just as I and my companions here, our love increases and overflows for you in Thessalonica. Wow. I think these words are so simple. I mean, I guess a, a, a child who's been reading a couple of words would not... A pause over these words for each other and for everyone that's kind of a big word else but I mean these are small words aren't they the, the words are so simple that it would be easy for us to skip over their profound ramifications where is this growing reservoir of love supposed to flow the answer for each other and for everyone else what does that mean well Paul's writing to a church first church Thessalonica it's almost like if we got a letter that said, Dear Valley Ranch Baptist Church, if we got a letter from an apostle, right? So the very first applications, one of our very first responsibilities is to love our brothers and sisters in church. In fact, arguably, this is one of the best ways that we share our uh, share the gospel with our community is by loving one another well. I mean, ideally, and I say this ideally, people, who don't know Jesus but yet come in contact with our church, will, will, will walk away and they'll say, I never knew people could love each other like that. There's something profound going on in that church body. Now because of that, of course, one of the saddest things you can ever experience is church hurt. One of the most tragic things is, is a church that experiences great division and great uh, animosity toward one another. Paul prays for an increasing, overflowing gusher of love in your heart and in my heart that would first flood the church. (laughs) And it would, by extension, it would flood Christian homes and Christian marriages and Christian friendships. And so let me just stop right there and, and ask you to reflect. I mean, is there anybody close to you, a brother or sister in Christ, that you're feeling a need to confess to today? to maybe say, hey, a lack of love. I've shown you a lack of love in recent days, and I'm sorry. Anybody here feeling a need to confess to God, Lord, I feel this love deficit in my heart, and I wanna confess that to you. So this breadth of love, it starts with the church, right? It starts with the family of God. But then Paul prays, not just for the family of God, but for everyone else. Who does that leave out? (laughs) <laughs> Nobody. I mean, to me, that was part of the genius of the early church. That, that first church, Jerusalem, that church described when the Holy Spirit descends in Acts chapter 2. That church that was filled with the Holy Spirit. There just seemed to be this increasing, overflowing love for God and for one another. Not perfect. They certainly had their issues. But, but Acts 2.42 uses the word devoted Devoted is a word of love, isn't it? They were devoted to one another. They were devoted to the the teaching of scripture. They were devoted to worship. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to fellowshipping with one another. They were devoted to living generously with one another. And their love just increased, not just for one another, but also for the community. And what was the result in Acts 2 verse 47? That church was praising God and get this, enjoying the favor Of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That love is powerful. Many people in the church were were saying, well, I don't know who those people are, but man, they're they're doing something cool over there. And not only that, every day it just seemed like somebody was not just favoring the church, they they were professing faith in Christ, and they were joining the church. And Paul wasn't just teaching this loving kingdom agenda, right? He was, he was modeling it. He was saying, this is the kind of love we have for you. This is the kind of love that keeps you in our prayers day and night. This is the kind of love that led us to travel to you in the first place to plant this church, to send Timothy 300 miles back to you to get word of how you're doing. This is the love that we have for you. In other words, friends, the, The love that that Christ pours into us was never intended to be kind of like poured into this mason jar of the church and a little bit of paraffin on top and that little circular metal thing and then the lid really tight and then just preserved on a shelf somewhere. No, the love that floods the church is supposed to be like, open the doors, we're we're drowning in love, open the doors, it's got to flow out into the community, it's got to flow down MacArthur and Beltline, it's got to flow into our world. You know, when Jalita and I were in graduate school, we moved for a year to Rochester, New York, uh, for her to do her her internship. And when we started uh, visiting churches, the first place that we looked was a a Southern Baptist church. There are actually Southern Baptist churches in upstate New York. And we found uh, one, and uh, it became readily apparent to us that... um, that everybody in that church was a refugee from the South. Uh, in other words, it was a church for transplanted Baptist Southerners to hang out. And, and, uh, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I, I, I love cheese grits and chicken fried steak at church potlucks. and And I loved hearing those Southern accents. Man, I missed hearing Southern accents in upstate New York. I mean, people around there were like, you know, it's so hot in here, so humid, you know, and, and I just missed the dulcet tones of, of the South. But, but, but maybe this is slightly unfair, but it just felt to me like this was a, a church that was hiding out from their community. It just felt like it was a church looking for people like us right, to kind of hang out together, lock the doors, right? Let's just be us. That's not what Paul prayed for the church at Thessalonica. He prayed that their love would increase and overflow, not just for the church, but for the community and for the world. And VRBC, I just felt convicted when I was working on the sermon that I just needed to stop and compliment You know, I don't believe I've ever been a member of a church before that is as invested in serving its community and city the way you are. And I I just wanna say thank you. I mean, way to go, church. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. But I don't want us to rest on our laurels, right? Because our community needs more love. Our community struggles with isolation. And loneliness. And what our community learns about church from the internet is, is often not pretty, and often what they learn is, is sadly true. Right? Uh, too, too many churches, too many pastors have not been at all helpful in modeling the kind of integrity and love that Christ wants us to model and share. And I just have to say, I don't think I would have ever predicted how frayed our social fabric would become. Not just the last two years, but especially the last two years. I don't think as a child, if you just said, hey, Larry, do you think in your lifetime you'll see the word Civil War uh, in an op-ed? Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have believed it. I wouldn't have believed it. I'm not a prophet, I'm not a futurist, but I don't see things getting better anytime soon. That's the bad news. But that bad news, friends, is a strategic opportunity for people who love Jesus. You and I have a chance to model a kind of love that the world desperately needs to see. Now, I don't know about you, but as I've meditated on verse 12, I mean, the first thing that's led me to is confession. I've just had to confess to God that I could be nice for short periods of time, But this church and this community deserves something more than that from me. This church and community need to see the kind of consistent, overflowing, increasing love that only Christ can give. Have you ever noticed this? One of my favorite writers, David Taylor, puts it this way. He says, it doesn't take any practice to sin. Have you noticed this? Uh, We don't have to work hard to be cynical or suspicious or mean-spirited or self-absorbed or jealous of somebody else's happiness or to think the worst of one another. We don't have to practice for that. It just kind of comes naturally, doesn't it? But love, right? We need a divine origin for that. I've had to confess the, the sin that comes too easily and the love that's often hard to find and to pray daily for forgiveness and grace and help. I'll close with this. I have some dear friends in this church, and a few weeks back they needed some temporary emerg- emergency medical care, and uh, one of the paramedics that showed up at their home noticed their beautiful gray hair and, uh, and asked how long they'd been married, and the wife said, 62 years. And the paramedic instantly said, what's your secret? And the wife said, before she even knew it, the word came out of her mouth. She just said, Jesus. <laughs> And then she added, Jesus, she said, and putting the other person first. And the paramedic said, putting the other person first is really hard. And she said, yep, that's why you need Jesus. <laughs> Friends, we need Jesus. <laughs> we need Jesus. We need his forgiveness, his grace, his love flowing in us, flowing through us. So come Lord Jesus. May the Lord make our love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. Let's pray. Lord I just feel we are at the the center of things. We're at the heart of things this morning in verse 12. We're We're at the heart of your heart, your love, your sacrifice, your grace, your Holy Spirit. And Lord, even to meditate on your love is to confess our lack of love in the last 24 hours, in the last week, in the last month in the last year, to confess our own self-absorption, our own pride, our own puffed up knowledge and lack of true love for the people next to us and for the people in our community and world. And so Lord, forgive us, forgive us, And Lord, as we cry out in faith and in prayer, pour in us your love for our church and our community and world. And do it for your glory as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.